I didn't get my amen, Ken, but that's all right. Filling the, uh, filling the pulpit used by our rector, Sean, uh, makes me feel like filling in for Rush Limbaugh. But uh, I'll, do what I can. I'll do what I can to fill the void this morning. Let me begin a little bit, begin by telling just a little bit about me. I was born in Colorado a long time ago. Um, when I was seven years old, I got up in church and announced to the congregation, which was Episcopalian, that I wanted to be a minister. My mother slapped me upside the face and took me out of church. However, that's all I ever planned to do from the time I was a little boy. But when you do that, you get that, or at least I had this version that if you're going to be a minister, everybody thinks you're kind of a klutz or a nerd or whatever term they used back in the 40s. So I had to prove what a regular guy I was, and I did a really good job. Uh, I did such a good job that later on it's, I got thrown out of seminary. But that's a story for another morning. Um, the Lord that was uh, gracious to me to let me go back to seminary, finish out my seminary training at Neshota. Um I ended up going back to Colorado ministering in two churches. Then I uh, got a really great job in a huge charismatic church in downtown Dallas. So I, my family, we moved to Dallas, Texas in 1981. I was there for the next 40 years, uh, pastored some churches, did some, a lot of renewal work, spent time in jail, but they let me out because I was a visitor. Uh, it's called Kairos. It's a ministry of, uh, that some prison ministry started in Florida, and I was very much involved in getting that uh, started in Texas. So then I retired, and um, as an active workaholic, retirement is not fun um, as you grow older and have little to do. So I was so grateful when I found this church. I moved here to Ohio to be my, near my son. And uh, I went to an Episcopal church one Sunday. But all I did was drive by because there were only four people out on the lawn during the COVID. Um, and then I Googled uh, Anglican, and here I am. And I'm so grateful that uh, because this church has uh, reached out to me, uh, being here kind of isolated in Ohio, and uh, allowed me to minister and even allowed to preach today. So I thank you for that. I've been, thank you very much. Right. Joel Osteen, if you've heard of him, the preacher in Houston, always starts out his uh, homily or sermon or whatever it is to those cast of thousands by telling a little humorous story. And I happened to catch his act one Sunday, and the story goes like this. There was an old man standing out in his garden, probably about my age, and he looked down and he saw a talking frog. So he picked up the frog, and the frog said, if you'll hug me, I'll be whatever or do whatever you just want. So the old man put the frog back in his pocket. And the frog said, how come you put me in your pocket? And he said, at my age, it's much better to have a talking frog. You can go with that if you want. Let me review a little bit from the Genesis story that Sean has been, uh, been sharing the last several weeks. The term dysfunctional family has been around for hundreds of years, and it was not invented by Hazleton, the famous treatment center in Minnesota for addictions. 
I know because I used to work for Hazleton briefly when, it, when they had a place in Dallas. We have the deception of Jacob getting his father's blessing by listening to Rebecca and dressing in goat's hair to look and smell like his brother. Isaac is only one, has only one blessing to give, and so Esau is left out. He was an angry son, and I think it says so in the scripture. He cried and wailed and carried on. He was kind of like the elder brother in the story of the prodigal son. I have a print of the painting by Rembrandt of the return of the prodigal hanging in my apartment, and the prodigal's brother is not pleased with the fact that the prodigal got blessed by his father. The reading from St. Luke this morning begins with Jesus praying, <coughs> and one of the disciples asks him, Lord, teach us to pray. He responds and offered a, kind of offered a three-part teaching, including a model prayer, a, a parable about prayer, and some sayings about praying. I'm not sure about you, and if I were to give myself a grade on my prayer life, I would not be on the honor roll. And when you add my memory issues in the noct- as an octogenarian, a great lower. I know the different forms of prayer, adoration, confession, petition, intercession, and thanksgiving. Before coming to Ohio, I was in an ecumenical biracial prayer group in which we used all those, those uh, prayed out loud conversationally before the Bible study. And they prayed, we all prayed out loud. And for some of those people, they never prayed out loud. So, but we probably held back on the confession part since we were still getting to know each other. But it was good practice. For many had never, <coughs> <excuse me coughs> never had prayed out loud, and if it was, it was usually out of a book. As an aside, some I have known would only pray out of a certain book. And uh, I don't know about you, probably most of you weren't around. Uh, I don't know about the Anglican book, but I was around in 1979 when the 1928 prayer book was changed, and it was a fight, 1979 prayer. People left the church over that. I remember the first time we passed the peace, and my, it was, that was added with the, with the reform. And I, the first time we passed the peace, the guy in the first pew didn't want to do that. But we got around, he finally did. I think he said jokingly when I stepped down into the congregation, don't you touch me, Father. But the model prayer that we read about this morning is the Lord's Prayer, which we pray often and will soon as the service continues. It's the real conclusion of the prayer of consecration. And it ends, and as it ends, we're encouraged to be bold. I think the celebrant will say, we are bold to pray. I have this picture. In fact, it's a real picture because I remember the priest was doing it. Where I came from in Texas, the, the uh, altar was away from the wall. So this priest, he was kind of an old guy like me and had little glasses. And uh, I had to laugh because he would say, now as our Savior Christ has told us that we're bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven. And he'd read the prayer like he didn't know it. So that was my pet peeve. Let me give you a couple of examples of the Lord's Prayer. Most recovery meetings in the whole world end with the Lord's Prayer with people holding hands. I remember a time in my life as a pastor standing in front of an open coffin at a viewing. And I knew in my heart that many people wanted to say something before they left, but didn't know what to say. 
So we prayed together and prayed the Lord's Prayer. I've been in lots of situations when I just knew that the people wanted to pray. out loud, but were too shy or too reluctant. They were relieved when I suggested the Lord's Prayer together. In my time on the streets of downtown Dallas, just down the street from the big Baptist church, a pastor of whom was a great friend of Donald Trump, you may have seen him on TV, if you ever watched Fox News, uh, but we never, we didn't see, I forgot what his name was, we did not see him on the street. Our gathered group of houseless folks held hands as we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. All colors, all races, all sexual orientations came together. For a few short hours as a community, we got to give them the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. We did use grape juice, though, for obvious reasons. Mind you, we were in the heart We were in Thanksgiving Square, the heart of downtown Dallas. There were anywhere from 30 to 125 homeless people on a given Sunday afternoon. The crowd grew near at the end, for they knew we were going to serve lunch from local churches. Um, So we always knew that the crowd was going to grow at the end. We never did get the uh, meal from the Baptist church up the street, but then, as the Bible says, we never asked. So that was on our court. We want not because we ask not. I learned a lot from my friends on the street. I did a wedding for a couple who had been on the streets for over nine years. Several, <clears throat> sometime later, a child of that unit was born, and they named the child Faith. They're now in an apartment in Fort Worth, and the child is in school. When Nikki, the mother, was in the hospital after the birth there at Baylor Hospital, I, uh, I was feeling bad. I, had, I was kind of sick and all that, but I wanted to visit them, and I had this arrogant thought that they really needed a priest, <laughs> and that was arrogant. So feeling bad, not wanting, I got up, I got to the hospital, and there were seven or eight of her friends, and I, and I said, let's pray. The prayers I heard <clears throat> were so from the heart and sincere that when it came time for me, I realized they didn't need me there. They were a lot closer to God at that point than I was. So I did what we've talked about. We held hands and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. With God... With God in the passage today, God calling him, when God, by calling him Father, uh, it's also slang in, Jew, in the Hebrew for Daddy. And that makes me uncomfortable. I'm not comfortable with that word Daddy in regard to God. But it uh, could be because I had some issues with my own father, but that's for another day. In the, in the passage, he uses the parable of the, the giving good gifts to his children. Will not God give you his great gifts because you are children? And he, he encourages them to keep up. And so the disciples are encouraged to be persistent. Keep on keeping on. And finally, sooner or later, God will answer your prayer. 
Also, they say in the Lord's Prayer, keep God's name holy. When God's name is hallowed and the kingdom, the God kingdom come, and God's kingdom comes, there is daily bread for all. Forgiveness is practiced, and God delivers the faithful from the time of trial. Let's go back to the first word of the prayer. We say, our father, not my father. In Genesis, we read that it's not good, man, good for man to be alone. We're meant to be in relationship. Thus, from the founding of the church at Pentecost, the church is the laboratory of the Spirit where we learn to love and to forgive and to share using the sacramental system as we pass through this life and get ready for the next. That's why the church is so important. And when we say our, it is much more important because the society that I grew up in is so individualistic that we're not comfortable with the word our. I just want to close this morning with a story that uh, is one of my favorites, and it's about prayer. It's a story told by Tony Campalo. I don't know if any of you knew him. He was a sociologist, lived in Philadelphia. He was also an evangelist. And it turned out he uh, had to travel to Hawaii. And, of course, when you, I guess when you get on... When I got on a plane to New Zealand, I either gained a day or lost a day, I forgot. But So his time frame was all a kilter. So he gets to Hawaii, gets to the hotel, and by 3 o'clock in the morning, because of the clock, he's hungry. So at 3 o'clock in the morning, he gets up and goes and turns out he finds a greasy spoon there in Honolulu. And... Uh, so he goes in with this greasy spoon, and there's a dirty old scraggly guy behind the counter named Harry. And uh, so he orders coffee, and the coffee's lousy in the donut. Uh, but while he's there, the door opens, and in and walk a bunch of women. And it was uh, about that time all the hookers on the street got off work, and they came in to eat. So here's Tony Campolo with these with these uh, prostitutes as they come in the door. And one, one of the girls, as she comes in the door, said, uh, hey, tomorrow's my birthday. And her little friend said, well, what do you want me to do, bake you a cake? She said, no, not necessarily. I don't want you to do a thing for me. But I've never had a birthday. In fact, I've never had a birthday cake. So the women came and left. So when Kampala's sitting there with Harry and... Uh, and Paula says, why don't we have a birthday party? Her name is Agnes, by the way. Let's have a birthday party. And the, well, Harry thinks, that's not a bad idea. So he calls his wife in the back, and uh, Paula says, I'll bring the cake. And so they decide they'll have that party. So in the meantime, before he comes back, uh, the, the, Harry puts the word out on the street. So the next night, or next early morning, there are lots and lots of, <laughs> of prostitutes who come to the party. And they all walk in, they sing happy birthday to Agnes, and, they, and she's really touched. As a matter of fact, she starts to cry. And then they show her the cake. And she's so taken by that cake, since she'd never had one, she, somebody said, let's cut it and eat it. She said, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I just want to look at it. And then she said, I'd like to take that to my mother. Good morning, sir.
It's okay. into each life a little rain must fall. Where was I? <laughs> so, um, so, she's admiring the cake and she said, I'd like to show this cake to my mother. <clears throat> and it turned out her mother lived right down the street in the apartment where she shared with her mother. So, um, they said, okay. So she takes the cake, leaves, to go show it to her mother, and so Kampala says, I'm sitting here with all these prostitutes at three o'clock in the morning, and I don't know what to do. So he said, why don't we pray? <laughs> and, and so they did. So they prayed, and she did come back and they had the party, but after it was all over, the, uh, Harry said, I didn't know you were a preacher. He said, I'm not, I'm a sociologist, uh, something in Philadelphia. And he said, well, no, he, but he said, uh, what kind of church do you, what kind of church do you attend? And he said, I attend a church that celebrates birthdays for prostitutes at three o'clock in the morning. And Harry said, that's probably not true, but if there was a church like that, I'd join it. Amen.